The following is a hockey podcast out of Vancouver and Surrey, British Columbia. It'll only consist of a lot of puck talk and even more BS, or in actual words, banter and satire. Enjoy and as always, go Canucks go. Don't look now, Canucks fans, but the Canucks only have one regulation win in their last five games. We saw that last year's Canucks were a fragile group, but are they fragile this year? Well, you're going to hear from two guys who invented the word fragile. Oh, Bowen and Trevor Beggs here on Locked On Canucks. Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, hey, happy American Thanksgiving and welcome to another episode of Locked On Canucks. My name is Trevor Beggs, co-host of Locked On Canucks and also a Canucks writer for Daily Hive Vancouver. And before we dive into the show, we got to thank you. Yes, you listening right now for tuning into Locked On Canucks. It's your team every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you go subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts if you haven't done so already. Okay, coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about the Canucks and whether or not they are a fragile group. Again, don't look now. They're on a little bit of a slide, not playing their best hockey. And again, we've seen with this core that they could be a little fragile in the past. Is that the case now? Also going to talk about the Canucks' depth forwards. They're killing it right now. Do the Canucks have the best depth forward group in the NHL? And then finally going to talk about two star Canucks who are having some sneaky struggles of late. But before we get to any of that, I got to introduce my co-host. He ain't fragile, but, you know, except for the fact that he cheers to the Green Bay Packers. Kyle Bowen, how you doing, brother? Wow. Hey, speaking of uh, being fragile... Yesterday was a key moment in my life because that was a big game against the Colorado Avalanche and we lost it and I felt sad for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Normally it's a couple hours. Real talk. No, 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 no. I'm getting stronger. And it's mainly because I feel as if the Canucks, it wasn't like the New York Rangers game, but I feel as if, again, that loss wasn't that bad. In fact, I feel as if we played our best game five on five in quite some time. Personally, that's how it felt, okay? Because the game against the San Jose Sharks, that didn't count. Anyways, Kyle Bowen, Trevor Beggs, doing our thing on Locked on Canucks. Yeah, Canucks every day. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're you're off to a dark start, man. Trevor Beggs, man. Can we ban this guy from the program using the word fragile already? Yo, this team's provided a lot of hope for us, a lot of excitement, has brought us here. And, again, 20 games in, you're bringing up a pretty strong F word, okay? <laughs> I can name the other two F words that are pretty strong. They're, I think they're banned from YouTube. But Fragile should be banned, too, from uh, this part of the world, the West Coast, and, and our listening and viewing experience when it comes to your Vancouver Canucks. So let's not do that. Let's not do that. The next 20 games, the next 10 games, the next five games are huge for the Vancouver Canucks. So Because whatever happened in the beginning of the season has to be somewhat left in the rearview mirror. Because we're 20 games in. It's time to move forward. Real talk. <laughs> Yeah, and it's an interesting road ahead for the Canucks. And it's part of the reason I ask, like, we're going to find out whether this group is fragile or not. I mean, we've heard from spokesman Ian Cole a couple times that, you know, good teams don't lose two, three, four games in a row. And you know what happened? The Canucks lost two in a row and they managed to beat a really sad sack Sharks team. But, you know, really, again, you look at their last four games, their only win is against those San Jose Sharks. Now, I don't want to just poo-poo over the team. I think they actually had... A half decent effort last night. I think there was definitely a lull at five on five. I feel like the Avs started to shut Vancouver down in the final two periods. But Vancouver managed to get their looks. And part of it to me does fall back on luck a little bit. Now, again, not saying the Canucks are a lucky team. 
but they have been, you know, above average lucky, you know. Uh, there is an element of luck in their success. And last night, you had a Canucks team that was facing a goalie in Alexander Georgiev, uh, who had started 15 of 17 games and had a .888 save percentage. Uh, it's pretty pretty subpar among starting goaltenders. He played good, though, man. What, he played good. Exactly. Well, that's my good. point, right? It's like, you know, on paper, the Canucks have an opportunity uh, with their offense against a goaltender who's struggling mightily. But, you know, Georgia played a good game last night. And, and man, there was a there's a point in the uh, the commentary from the Avalanche side, which we'll get to later or throughout the show, because that's that's next level entertainment slash comedy for real. Whatever's going on <laughs> over there. Straight up. Anyways, uh, during the broadcast, they did bring up how Georgiev, which is a cool name. I might name my son that yeah. for real. Georgiev was actually playing good throughout the whole season. Again, the eye test. He, he, you know, they claimed that he passed the eye test and he looked good yesterday. And I felt as if the Canucks didn't have a chance to do anything five on five in the second period last uh, last game because there's power plays the whole period. Both teams didn't do anything five on five for real. It's just the truth. And in the third period, you're playing a good team, a Colorado team that needs a win. That that just they just lost a brutal game to Nashville a couple nights earlier. They were gonna do their thing, but the Vancouver Canucks for like a four or five minute stretch there generated a lot of chances. They just couldn't score. It happens, man. It does. And I'll say this, too. I'm getting a little scared. I know. And I shouldn't be doing this, right? If the Vancouver Canucks don't start winning very soon, I'm talking, you know, in the next one or two or three or four games, like, if they don't put a streak together, a lot of people are going to be talking about the fact that, you know, what? what's the number? 30% of their wins have come against the two worst teams in hockey. It's yeah, just the truth. Well, I guess uh, the Edmonton Oilers and the San Jose Sharks are two of the worst yeah, teams. Yeah, they, they are. They and, are. They're the two and, worst and, teams. They suck. And in fairness, you know, part of the reason I, I asked the question, are the Canucks fragile? Is because I think the next five games really matter. Yeah, they do. The next five games are all against divisional opponents. Um, you know, two of those divisional opponents, the Kraken and Flames, have already beat the Canucks recently. And you just don't want to see the Canucks start dropping more divisional games. So here, here's how the next five games line up Friday in Seattle. Saturday in San Jose, uh, second night of back-to-backs. Tuesday at home against the Ducks. Thursday at home against the Vegas Golden Knights. And then Saturday uh, on the road against the Flames in Hockey Night in Canada. Five straight divisional games for the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, they've built a nice cushion here in the Pacific Division. But as Ian Cole's mentioned, you know, good teams don't lose multiple games in a row. Good teams especially don't drop multiple games in a row to teams in their own division. And I don't think the Canucks are as fragile as they were last year. I think they have a good foundation. I think you know, teams, all good teams go through adversity, right? And I do think what the Canucks went through last year and even the year before, and even the year before, if you want to include that as well, has given them some mental fortitude here. And I just feel like things are a bit different under Rick Tockett. So mm-hmm. I don't feel like things are going to snowball for this team in the way that they have in previous years. Um, but again, we asked the question because... You know, just because the Canucks have built a cushion doesn't mean that they can just take their foot off the gas. No, they uh, the can't. next few games do matter here, and this team is not playing perfect hockey right now. Uh, as much as I think they had a chance to win last night, and they gave themselves a chance to win with their performance. And I think that's the the point that I was trying to get to when it comes to me mentioning that this team has to forget about the previous twenty games. Like they got to play play with no comfortability. Like they can't look at the standings. You know, play with a bit of fire. Under your, under your ass, for real. Because prior to yesterday's game against Colorado, against, again, one of the, the better performances in a loss this season, they've looked 
more than shaky slash a little empty. Straight up, Calgary, Toronto, those losses were bad. We barely, like, we shouldn't have beat Ottawa the way we did. No no complete efforts. You know what I'm saying? So, again, a, a reset is what this team needs. And I do feel as if the Vancouver Canucks can do that, mainly because of, I mean, I think metaphorically you brought up the term, uh, fa- their foundation is better. Well, figuratively, when you say that, you're talking about guys like JT Miller and Quinn Hughes. And Philip Ronick. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that too. Like they're struggling right now, but those three are those three guys are really good hockey players, really key positions for your team. And I feel as if they're still playing pretty high end, especially JT Miller, man. That guy is that guy is yeah. proven to be one of the best players in hockey, aka. Is JT Miller the most underrated player in hockey? Can you let us know in the comments below? Because he's way better than we think he is, and the league is finding out because when a guy can pull off what he did yesterday in a primetime game against the Colorado Avalanche, like, that's no joke. That was one of the prettiest goals I've seen in a very long time. If Connor McDavid scores that goal, that's being played 100 times. If Austin Matthews scores that goal, it's being played 1,000 times. You know what I'm saying? That goal was, who does that? JT Miller. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, Connor McDavid doesn't score that goal because Connor McDavid probably would have skated around Devon Taves. But what JT Miller did was basically put his shoulder into Devon Taves, get position, and then still kind of flick the puck off at the same time. It was a pretty sick goal. And Bro, Kyle he banked it off pretty... his skate. He banked it off his skate yeah. to propel the puck up. It was like the alternate Pavel Bure type of goal. Again, just JT Miller's been, we've, we've played, what, 20 hockey games this season? I feel, as, I feel as if JT Miller's played 20 good games. 20 good yeah. games. Nobody else in the Canucks yeah. have played, has played 20 good games. So we've got a better JT Miller when he was Hironic doing their thing, I, I know Besser can play a little bit better, Pedersen a lot better, Demko a lot better during this little struggle. But again, that foundation of having at least three guys plus the depth, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes, is is not it's not a recipe for disaster. Then you take in the fact that the Canucks actually played pretty good yesterday, and I, I like how again account- accountability has to be a thing and the standard has to be higher. But I feel as if the energy slash the room is not. It's, it's not lost in this mini sh- struggle because the way Quinn Hughes and Tockett were talking, uh, they understood that they kind of needed to take this step in their overall game. And they did that. It happened in a loss against a good team. It is what it is. But let's move forward on Friday and get a dub. Reset, man. Yep, get that dub. And uh, quickly before we get to uh, the depth forwards in segment two, I do want to touch on the whole hughes McCart battle last night. I mean... I found it funny. I, I I was listening to the Avs broadcast feed, unfortunately. Oh. And um, they basically said that Quinn Hughes was Kale McCarr without the flash. And they also made a comment about how Quinn Hughes, uh, you know, he's not a pretty skater, but he gets it done. And I'm like, what the hell are these guys watching, man? Like I said, Kyle, you mentioned it uh, a few minutes ago, but the bias from these guys is like next level. It's almost <laughs> a bit of a comedy session. It is, dude. It's uh, so funny. It is, like an actual call in a hockey game. Like, my goodness. And, I mean, I chirped him a bit in my article for Daily Hive last night. It's like, you know, Hughes may be one of the best players in hockey, and that's something the Avs broadcast team can relate to is, uh, you know, they've been consistently voted a bottom 10 broadcast team in the NHL. Oh, no way. I didn't even know that. I'm not going to yeah. hate too much because, again, I kind of liked it. You know, when it comes to... They drive me nuts. When it comes to, like, how do I say it? You know, when it comes to a presentation like that, it could be annoying to us, but... I'm curious to see how much, like, the Colorado Avalanche fans love it, you know? 
Because that broadcast is just for a specific group of people. It's not for the world. Straight up. And it's different, bro. Like, I think I think Shorthouse does a great job. I think Bachelor does a great job. We ha- we're so lucky here, you know? I think a big reason why there's 100 yeah. million Canucks podcasts in the world is because the pros that are actually doing it are, like, 90-plus overall. It's like never it's never been below that for 30, 40, 50 years. You know what I'm saying? But the Avalanche podcast, yeah. one thing I did like was the lack of play-by-play. It was, it was pretty interesting. It was like listening to a podcast slash a hockey game at the same time. Anyways. Trevor, let's get to segment two and talk about this depth. Uh, we kind of mentioned it during uh, the happy hour episode a couple days ago. A big reason why we're not panicking is because we feel as if the floor of this team has risen, not just based on their rankings, but based on a lot of their other players outside the stars playing above their value, above their expectations, and that's more than a surprise. Yeah, it's a it's a big surprise, and more on that on the other side. Speaking of surprises, for the first time in forever, I don't have a live ad read, so we're going to take a pause here for an ad oh. break and catch you on the other side here on Locked On Canucks. Okay, okay, you're back on another episode of Locked On Canucks. My name is Kyle. Bowen, that right there is Trevor Beggs, and this is the show that gives you your Canucks every day. A little bit of BS, too. Uh, we need more of that. I always, I always think about that. We need more of that, especially on these uh, these episodes after losses, man, for real. Thanksgiving, man. American Thanksgiving. You know, back in the day when I was cold, and we, we've mentioned this so many times this week, okay? Maybe I'm going through a bit of a revelation, you know, dealing with some of my trauma on this week's uh, version of Locked On Canucks, but I used to be cold. Uh, my my ex-girlfriend left me for a girl. It was a really weird time in my life, and I enjoyed being cold. That being said, I did dream of two things, meeting a girl in Switzerland or meeting a girl in Green Bay, which would have been dope because season tickets and Thanksgiving twice in my life. Happy Thanksgiving Damn. to America, man. Happy Thanksgiving to America. Happy Thanksgiving to, uh, you know, the American Canucks. I mean, we've, uh, we mentioned it before the season started, you know. The Canucks are America's team, baby. Also Canada's team, too. We're basically just North America's team. Dude. So, uh, Dude. Make sure you come along for the ride here on Where's Lockdown the Thanksgiving Canucks jersey, for, uh... man? Where's the Thanksgiving? No, why are you laughing, bro? We're led by America, dude. Where's the thing? If Great we have point. a Diwali jersey, we got to have a Thanksgiving. I know there's a, a, tor- a, a bloody pass, right? Straight up. I've heard the origins of Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> I think the Canucks have to do it, man. We need a Thanksgiving jersey for them. We are America's team. Miller and Hughes, etc. Come on. Demko, yo, where's the Thanksgiving jersey? Yeah, I, I, I guess the, uh, the orca tromping into a turkey. I think that might slap a little bit. Uh, no, that's why we are we're here uh, as podcasters and not graphic designers. But, uh, you know, we talked about the floor of the Vancouver Canucks being risen. And you know what? <laughs> I think that was especially true not just last night, but uh, throughout the whole season. And even just looking at the uh, the even strength or the five-on-five ice time leaders among Canucks forwards last night, Anthony Beauvillier led all Canucks forwards at, with 13.58 of five-on-five ice time, followed by Sam Lafferty at 12.58. Then there was Besser and Miller and then Nils Hoaglander. Nils Hoaglander has been kind of bottom of the forwards in ice time, uh, but he finished fifth among forwards in ice time last night. Wow. Uh, and once again on the ice for another goal for a no goals against um, no you know, way. that fourth line, I, I, again, the, the Canucks two bottom lines. I, I wrote about it for Daily Hive yesterday. 
the Canucks two bottom lines right now have been, you know, really like two of the best bottom six lines in hockey. I mean, that Joshua Suter Garland line, and even with uh, Bluger, like the stats haven't really changed. They're controlling around 70% of the expected goals for uh, that line has not been on the ice for a goal against. And then you look at Hoaglander, Lockheed, wow. and Beauvilliers. They're not controlling as much expected goals for, but they're still above 60%, which is in the upper echelon of the NHL. And they've produced more as well. They've, after last night, now outscoring the opposition 6-1 to one when they've been on the ice this season. So, I mean, I, I, I haven't done the deep dive yet. I kind of want to, but like, Kyle, off the top of your head, do you think the Canucks could potentially have the best depth forwards in the NHL? No, we need, we need a deep dive, okay? Come on, man. You, I know you're going to nerd out soon and really break that down, but I can't say that. A, because... I've only really been closely watching the Vancouver Canucks this season, you know, for real. And that's a bold statement. That's a bold statement, man. It's just the truth. Uh, this all being said, uh, you did mention a couple of things that I do want to touch on uh, really closely. And that's uh, that's having Teddy Bluger back, but still missing Pew Suter a lot. I think mm-hmm. he's more offensive. And uh, his defensive game at the time, well, prior to him getting injured, was getting way better. He was doing a lot all over the ice and... It's no shot at Teddy Bluger, but we are missing Pew Suter. Uh, I think two players that are ironically not missing Pew Suter that much. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe they, they like having him on road trips. Maybe you know he's a gambler. Maybe you know he does his thing. But Dakota Joshua and Connor Garland seem to be doing the same thing. And we got to talk more about Dakota, man, because he's become way more of a player over the past ten to twelve games. A complete player. He's everywhere, man. Yeah, And he's become a really, really good penalty killer as well on a bad penalty kill, whatever that means. You know, take that with a grain of salt. But he's just way better, way better than I thought he would be. And he seems to be, I wouldn't say drive and play, but noticeable in the right ways all the time. Now, Niels Hoaglander and company, him and Lafferty, great chemistry, good tenacity. Beauvillier playing a bit quicker. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, – I think about these things a lot, and then I realize that, oh, dude, Bovillia has barely any points. He's not the one getting traded. Are the Canucks going to get desperate here and try to fix this patch, try to not slide uh, by acquiring a player and is the only asset that is worth anything on that bottom six, Niels Hoaglander? Like, you know how there's a little bit of depth there, and if Pew Suter comes back, they can kind of have a difficult decision? Well, what if that person sitting out is Hoaglander and they trade it? Oh, it's just scaring me, man, because he's so good. He's so good. Yeah, I honestly wonder, and I, and I didn't really think it was possible a couple of days ago, but we saw it happen again last night. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier ends up back on the second line with Brock Besser and JT Miller, and that was part of the reason why he led the Canucks in even strength ice time last night. Part of me wonders if they are trying to showcase Anthony Beauvillier a bit because, let's be real, this guy is probably not coming back next season. He's a big ticket off the books. He's I not. Think a lot just of say that, it. He's not coming back next yeah, season. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. I'd be shocked if he came back next season. Yeah. I mean... You know, Tyler Myers, Anthony Bovillier come off the books. Most of that money goes to Frona and Pedersen, and they got to tinker around the edges again. So I do wonder if the Canucks are trying to showcase Anthony Bovillier a bit. Say, like, hey, look, here's a guy, like, came into training camp, started on our fourth line. We're a deep team, not a big deal. Now all of a sudden he's pushing his way back into the top six. And it's like, okay, yeah, he's kicked Phil DiGiuseppe off the second line. How impressive is that really? But Phil DiGiuseppe's my guy, man. The guy's been playing well, so... Um, well, they're looking for know, a spark, I, I get, you know? That's why they're moving things around sometimes. They're in a bit of a slump. Yeah. You see those things, but I do think you're hitting the nail on the head. Like, maybe Alvin and Rutherford made the phone call down to uh, talking and was like, yo, if things are going a little weird and the boys are just not having a lot of juice and you got to put the lines in a blender, make sure you put Beauvillier 
in a spot to succeed. And I- I'm going to give him a little bit of credit because, yeah, he's playing. He's not generating a lot of offense as far as like real offense, real points, but he's playing a lot quicker, more noticeable. Uh, I wouldn't say a lot of bite, but his battle level has risen, and he was a big reason why we scored one uh, one of the goals last night. And I hope he's the guy that gets traded. For a defenseman, I really hope it's not Niels Hoaglander, man. This guy is just doing it, bro. You, you know why I keep bringing yeah. it up? Not to manifest or not to get annoying. I'm just, I'm looking at the Canucks defense. We still have like six weeks, seven weeks without Carson Soucy, you know? It's just the truth. And uh, guys, we still have like eight to eight weeks without Ethan Bear, you know? <laughs> it's just the truth. And if the Canucks keep slot, like if they lose their next two straight games or something, right? I'm not going to panic. But internally, maybe they're like, yo, uh, we need uh we need help because Friedman and Juleson playing that much obviously isn't gonna work. We need help ASAP and unless it's like not a first round pick or a second round pick, it's gonna be Niels Hoaglander that gets some legitimate help back. Because nobody's taking Bovillier for a good player. You're getting another Noah Juleson for Bovillier yeah, right now. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not you're not gonna help your team. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I hear you on that one. And again, I'd be super hesitant to trade Niels Hugliner. We've already talked about that this week. Make sure you go check that out because we did an episode that, about that already, baby. But, you know, Niels Hugliner now, he's on a four-game point streak. It's the longest point streak of his NHL career. Wow. He had a few pockets of three-game point streaks. But again, first time he's been on a four-game point streak. And again, like to have guys like Hugliner Bavilli on your fourth line. And again, I feel like we're kind of poo-pooing on Bavilli a bit. He played well last night. He I, did. I do he think... Is. I don't know if he earned the promotion of the second line over a guy like Hoaglander, but he's played well. I, I would say he's been playing better than DiGiuseppe, and I wasn't mad about him getting time with Besser and Miller there. Now, again, kind of to put, put a bow in it quickly here, when I look at some of the highest-scoring teams in the NHL, some of the best teams in the NHL, in my mind, again, doing this real quick, I think the only team who might have better depth than the Canucks in their bottom six is probably the Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> and maybe the stars as well but um, the Dallas Stars are rocking Mason Marchment Matt Duchesne and yeah. Tyler Sagan on their third line and that line is killing it but yeah with Vegas right now I mean they win <laughs> their their third line they have Paul Cotter William Carlson Michael Amadio fourth line they have Nicholas Waugh William Carrier Keegan Colasar I mean I still think Vegas is probably the classy NHL in terms of forward depth but they are. man oh man the way the Canucks bottom six is playing I think they're right there with a the team like Vegas wow dude look at you man Using the word fragile off the top, but then now saying things like our bottom six is right up there with those guys and those players. You delusional, man. I like it, though, man. I like it. it I, yo, bro, honestly, you're delusional to a sense from my perspective, but you know how I told you that uh, it only took me about 20 minutes to get over the uh, the loss last night? It's because of what I'm seeing from guys like Joshua Garland, Hoaglander, Beauvillier, Lafferty, Bluger, uh, and I, I saw I saw some people like get mad at Tyler Myers too yesterday and whatnot, but I just feel as if the bottom end players of this team, they're more pro, man. They're more pro. Uh, they're uh, they're taking it seriously, man. Really serious, man. They're they're bought in. They're 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 listening to talk it, and uh, it's gonna make this transition over to the next twenty games and resetting and making sure we're accountable slash picking up wins on the regular and just doing whatever we did in the first 20, 20 games again more easier. It's just the truth. Like the, the, okay, you know how you, t- you talked about Miller? We, we talked about Miller, Hughes, Heronic, the foundational pieces. We're, we're in this little str- struggle. Those guys are playing good. And then we got like this layer of the depth playing good. And then when you sprinkle in the resurgence of Demko and Pedersen, 
That's how you win games. Again. Yeah. Yeah, and you talked about the resurgence of Pedersen and Demko. I mean, because uh, right now it would be a bit of a resurgence because they're it struggling. Yeah. That's what we're going to touch on in the final segment here on Locked On Canucks. Again, no ad read because it's American Thanksgiving. Locked On Canucks owned by an American company. What? That doesn't matter, okay? This is the home of the West Coast buys up here in Yo, Why did we Canadian have to do ad reads on Diwali night? <laughs> yeah, laughing? seriously, Why right? are you laughing, man? Un- unbelievable, man. All right, a little Pedersen Demko talk <laughs> on the final segment here. Unlocked on Canucks. Okay. Okay, okay. Another episode of Locked on Canucks. Going by just like that. My name, Kyle Bowen. That right there is Trevor Beggs. More importantly, this is the show that gives you your Canucks every day. A shout out to all our podcast listeners. On the audio side, uh, leave us a review and rate the show. It helps us out, out a lot. Um, yeah, it, it just helps us out a lot, man, for real. I'm thinking about it. Christmas coming up. I still got to buy my girlfriend a a purse or something, you know? I really want to do that. And, bro, like, Trevor, man, your your daughter's getting older, man. She's going to remember things. I think she's going to remember this Christmas, uh, Christmas for the rest of her life. She may not be able, be able to remember the Christmas of, like, the one-year-old, the two-year-old, you know, but... She's getting older. She's going to remember these moments. So you better come swinging with the gifts, bro. This is what matters, bro. This Christmas matters, man. And that's why I, I have a, a <laughs> wonderful, beautiful wife who does most of the gift planning. No, come on. Man. Okay, what, what would, what would like, what, what do you think would be, like, one gift you would get her off the rip? Is it a Canuck jersey this year, it's maybe, funny right? because I, yeah, I'm not super planned out with gifts, but I did have a little, uh, uh, a little shopping time last year towards the end of Christmas and my wife bought all the gifts, but I went out shopping, you know, ate my vegetables, went shopping mm-hmm. and ended up getting like a couple of uh, really cool like coloring books for my daughter. Like oh, one beautiful. was like, you had this pen and it was on blank paper, but the, as soon as you use the pen, it was like this marker that made like rainbow colors. It was really oh, cool, man. man. Uh, I got a couple other things too. I don't remember. That was the one thing that stood out because I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> remember, man, I think, <laughs> but she loved them, which was important. Remember, I think your daughter's a low key genius. I've seen her art before and Dude, this is not delusion talking. I think she's got something, man. She got the sauce. And uh, we know that Demko and Pedersen have a lot more sauce to give to the Vancouver Canucks. It's just the truth. Okay, I think for multiple weeks I've been saying this about Pedersen. Something yeah. is a little off. And now we're kind of seeing it with Demko too. It's momentum. It's confidence. It's hopefully not anything more than that. Injury related, you know what I'm saying? And once they get their swagger back, it's going to help so much, so, so much, because a big reason why we've lost, what, what's the number? Three of five, four of six, blah, 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 is because those two are just not playing like they're 95 overall right now, and in the beginning of the season, they were. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, with Thatcher Demko, for me, it's, you know, again, shooting shooting above just being like a middling team, an average team. I think we came into the season thinking the Canucks were a wild-card team. I think that was my playoff prediction for them, that they were the first wild-card team. Mm-hmm. Um but now I think the stakes have been raised a bit higher. And I look right now at the other top two teams in the Pacific, the Los Angeles Ooh. Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights. And Thatcher Demko right now, again, he's let in 17 goals over his last Ugh. five games. So he's on a bit of a slow stretch. Uh, but he still, he still has a 923 save percentage on the season. Pretty good. But you look at the Los Angeles Kings, Cam Talbot. I think goaltending was a major question for the Kings. And Cam Talbot has a 930 save percentage right now. Aiden Hill with the Vegas Golden Knights has a 932 save percentage right now. So, I mean, we've been, you know, talking about uh, Thatcher Demko being the favorite for the Vesna. Now, all of a sudden, he's got the third best save percentage among goaltenders in the division. 
Oh, wow, dude. Look at that dagger, man. Well, that's what happens. What's the 17 goals against in the last – bro, it's not good enough. I'm not – again, if you look at a game like yesterday, right, you can't really blame them on anything that happened. But at the same time, for this version of the Vancouver Canucks and versions moving forward when you're on the Vancouver Canucks, right, you got to – and we've seen it in the wins. You got to bail out the team. And recently yeah. – we haven't really gotten that, that extra save. Now, I feel as if we did get, uh, I'm being a bit of a hypocrite because he was pretty good against San Jose. Like, San Jose brought it at points, and he was solid, okay? And then that third period against the Islanders, he was really good, like Vesna good. But a big reason, again, why the Canucks 4 of 6, 3 of 5, whatever the number is, we've lost those games is because, again, the extra save is not there. And when Demp goes on, the extra save is there. And it's going to happen. It's going to turn around. Now, with Pedersen, though, uh, what do you think it is? What are you hearing, bro? You're up there. Come on, spill the beans, bro. Spill the beans, bro. Insider. No, I'm not hearing anything right now. Um, You know, he was sick to start the season. I'm not hearing that he has any ailment, any sickness right now. I mean, uh, you know, maybe he was celebrating his birthday early. I think his birthday is on November 25th here. So happy birthday to Elias. Uh, About to turn 20, 25, 25. Uh, so not, not, not necessarily a young man anymore, but a youngish man, you know, okay. younger than you and I, Kyle. So you think it's um, a party. It's like, he's in partying here, you know, just could doing be his partying. thing. Could be partying. And not know? like in a weird, you know? just, you know, just enjoying life, enjoying the moment. He deserves it, man. Yeah. It's his, I find right now with Pedersen, his reads in the defensive zone just don't seem as crisp as they were before. I mean, Ooh, look, fogginess. this guy's getting the fogginess in the mind, bro. But- 420, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this guy. I mean, coming to season, this guy's getting the Datsu comparisons, the Fedorov comparisons. Or like, can this guy like win the Celtic and get a hundred points? And it's like, yeah, JT Miller is the better defensive player on the Canucks right now, more so than Elias Pettersson. And I think that's the positive way. Like, let's end the show on a positive note here on Lockdown Canucks Good Team every day. The positive thing about the Canucks is that Pettersson's going to bounce back. Mm. We talked about Hughes struggling for a couple games, and look, Hughes has bounced back over the last mm. couple games. Right now, JT Miller is picking up the slack that Elias Pettersson's leaving behind. He's Pettersson's getting some points. He's not playing as clean as hockey by any means. But JT Miller, on the other hand, is playing good defensive hockey mm-hmm. against the opposition's best players, and he's scoring points. JT Miller's now on a nine-game point streak right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm not too worried about Elias Pettersson, but, um, yeah, there's those reads right now don't seem as crisp. Yeah. Who's Mango doesn't seem to have the full trust of the coach on that line. Ilya Mikhaev, who I think is playing he who looks good based on the eye test analytically isn't playing great in both uh that whole line of mikhaev mm-hmm. pedersen and kuzmenko have been on the ice for quite a few goals against mm-hmm. i believe pedersen's been on the ice for like 12 goals against and five goals scored in the past eight games or something like holy that holy so, dude uh, the Canucks are not uh, not tilting the Canucks are tilting the ice when the bottom six is out there but they're not tilting the ice with at least pedersen on the ice right now boom you just heard that and that's why you gotta hope that the next 20 games are going to be very similar when it comes to our record as the previous 20 were because the bottom of this lineup, again, is drive and play. That was something that we thought had no chance of being a thing. Again, when we talked about the Canucks having success, it was like, okay, top heavy, great power play, Miller, Hughes, Patterson, Horonic, maybe, Demko, blah, blah, blah. We're going to pick up some dubs. We're going to get lucky. When the foundation or part of the foundation of this team is, again, having the depth actually being pro, bro, the overall 
trajectory of this team is way bigger. It's what hot like that's that's the mark of a good hockey team, a good a really good hockey team, not just a a team, a good hockey team based on their stars, but just having every guy bought in and Pedersen will bounce back. He'll bounce back, in my opinion, ASAP. I, I feel as if I feel as if maybe, just maybe, he has to get adjusted, not to a new role, but not being necessarily that guy. Because Miller is that guy. Not and like yeah. that may sound crazy to like say out loud, but just based on matchups, like that matters. Miller is that guy. He's their number one center. And maybe it's taken Pedersen a little bit of time when it comes to his psyche to get used to that. But he just has to, again, grip the stick a little a little less tight and then also have his line mates carry, carry the accountability too. Okay, on that note, the last question, uh, is there something wrong with Kuzmenko? What, what would you want more from Kuzmenko? Because I saw Twitter going off on him last night, and I'm like, dude, to be honest, I think he's a good player. I think when Pedersen elevates and we haven't really seen him being consistently great five on five the whole season, Kuzmenko will look better. But all in all, I've been impressed with Kuzmenko's effort. Now it looked pretty bad on that goal yesterday, but overall he's more engaged. And to me, it's like one step at a time. He wasn't doing the things he's doing this year, last year. Yeah. I think he's still showing creativity on the offensive zone. Uh, had a chance in the power play, obviously that could have been a goal, but was blocked by Jack Johnson, who's somehow still in the NHL. Yeah, I think Kuzmenko. It's worth remembering that the guy just took like almost a hundred mile an hour slap shot to the face, like not even a week ago, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> how many of us have taken a hundred mile an hour slap shot to the face? So, yeah, I mean Kuzmenko. It's it's he's an interesting case because I don't think he's fully trusted by the coaching staff. I think the five on five ice time reflects that. Um, but in general, let's just see. I'm, I'm more curious how he's going to be used maybe as the Canucks you know, get towards the playoffs, right? Um, is this guy going to be trusted in the playoffs? Or is he going to get the same usage where, again, you're paying this guy $5.5 million per season, which seems like a bargain based on his creativity, but can he be a 200-foot player? And I don't think the coaching staff, nor most of the fan base, thinks he's that guy right now. Okay, well, I, I lied. This is my last question. Then sign us out, okay? If there were to be a lineup change when it comes to the formation of these lines. And let's just go with the top line and get out of here. What's the lineup looking like? What's that number one line looking like? Who who are Pedersen's wingers? Because, bro, to be honest, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a new top line or a new second line for the Vancouver Canucks on Friday. It's just the truth. So if that's the case, uh, who do you see uh, playing with Pedersen? You know what? The way things are going right now... Um... Shoot, that's, that's a hard one because I'm not sure again where Kuz... I think Kuzmenko and Pedersen, they're pretty hell on keeping that duo together. Okay. Um, I think maybe Hoaglander might get a couple of a, a bit of spot duty up there. He was the guy who kind of replaced Kuzmenko in the preseason. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if, you know, Kuzmenko struggles, Hoaglander gets some time, just in the way that Phil Giuseppe has been kind of quiet, so Bavilia gets some time up there, right? You have these guys in the bottom six who can play up the lineup, and that's what makes the Canucks bottom six so interesting going to be lots of interesting tidbits to take away over the next few games. Again, the Canucks play Friday and Saturday against the Kraken and the Sharks, respectively. Some big division games coming up the week after that. We got all that covered for you here on Locked On Canucks. We appreciate the heck out of you for tuning in. Happy American Thanksgiving once again to our American listeners. And coming up on Friday's show, we might take a look at the Canucks defense, who they may target. We might also look at the Canucks and the World Juniors, okay? They got, uh, they got a handful of guys who could be playing 
for a gold medal in a month's time. But for now, we got to get out of here. I'm Trevor Beggs. That guy's Kyle Bowen. And you've been listening to Locked On Canucks. Thank you.